You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Peter O'Toole is a legal cannabis farmer and oil maker in Michigan. He is known as Uncle Pete, and he's helped well over a 1,000 patients with various ailments and diseases. And he's also the co-founder of Cannabis Camp. Last August, the police raided two of his grow ops, and he, his wife Christy, and Jen Cook are facing felony manufacturing charges. And Peter O'Toole joins us from Michigan to tell us his story. Peter, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having us on. Now, take us back to last summer and tell us exactly what happened. It all started with uh, a knock on our door here at home in Prudenville, Michigan. Uh, Christy and I were not home. Our children were. uh, And some uh, detectives from the SWAT team or the local drug team, uh, drug narcotics enforcement team, I guess, or however you want to word that. Uh, showed up at our door uh, and basically tried to bully their way in our door verbally uh, with our 20-year-old son uh, home. And uh, fortunately, he was able to ward them off. They didn't have a warrant. He knew the routine, uh, and they left. But uh, there was a friend of ours that had been uh, raided and, and arrested here about a month before that, uh, that owned a dispensary local here. Uh, and we felt that it was kind of tied to that investigation. So at that time, we uh, moved our garden uh, from here in Prudenville up to uh, a place called Boys Blank Island, where we had a second home. When we did that, the police uh, were fully aware of it. We uh, heard it on the scanner, them speaking of it, and had friends that had called us that heard it on scanners and things like that. So once again, we were pretty aware that we were under investigation and the heat was on, so to speak. Now, with that being said, we're uh, you know 100% legal caregivers here in Michigan, which uh, allow each one of us, myself, my wife, Christy, and, and, and Jen here, to grow 72 plants. Uh, that's 12 for us and 12 for each of our five patients that are connected to us through the care, uh, through the registry system. So there we are on the island. Uh, we had the grow. I had uh, the grow at the, the island home, the summer home that we had. Uh, and then a couple miles down the road on the island, we had rented another building for my wife, uh, my wife to have her garden at. Uh, we can't have two gear caregivers growing in the same location. So we rented a nice little uh, pole barn and we set it up uh, and she had her grow there. So it was about two months after that initial knock on the door that uh, we were raided uh, up there on the island. Uh, and that happened as a result of, uh, uh, well, I'm going to let Jen tell this story. Actually, she was the one that was present. They waited until Christy and I were uh, on vacation in Las Vegas, and uh, decided to come and give Jen and her mom a visit while her mom was up there visiting. So I'm going to let Jen tell the story of the raid there. This is Jen Cook. Uh, my business partner and the co-founder of Seed to Cure. Okay, Jen, go ahead. All right. Well, my mom and my brother had come up to the island. It was August, so it was a beautiful summer. We have a boat up there, and uh, 
we went out cru- cruising around the island and we're playing in the water, went over to Mackinac for the day, had lunch, um, dropped my brother off in our own personal boat back in Sheboygan, which is across the water from where the island is. Um, and on our way back home to the island, Coast Guard decided to stop us for what they called a routine safety check. Well, this was probably 25 yards outside of the island marina. And while they were checking the boat, they conveniently said it would be easier to just go to the dock. So we went to the dock and there's the island sheriff. And it was real plain to me that it was not an accidental stop, but rather a planned stop. And they proceeded to detain us for about 16 hours. And by about nine in the morning, they raided both of our uh, legal grows on the island. And, um, you know, took down the plants, the lights, everything there. And here we are now, six, eight months later, looking at the charges from them. So you were held in custody for 16 hours while they went about doing yeah. what they were doing. Me and my mom and my mom's <laughs> best friend sat on the concrete dock at the marina for a good 10 hours and then spent the last six in the house. Did they give any reason why this was undertaken? You know, we just got the the discovery, uh, which is what you get uh, basically the case that's presented against you here on the last couple of days. I haven't even seen it with my own eyes yet. But in that discovery, they tell you uh, basically what the charges are against you and how and why. Uh, and in there, it states that we were under investigation and there's a lot of, you know, bogus claims where they felt that uh, there was going to be a whole lot of marijuana on that boat, I, I think is what they thought. And there wasn't. There was only a half ounce of personal marijuana that Jen had on there that she was completely legal for. So, in other words, I think they had us pegged out to be some really big fish doing some really big things, and we're just not, you know, uh, to their disappointment. In Michigan law, you are a caregiver. You're allowed 72 plants. Are you allowed to transport uh, your product anywhere? Yes. Uh, in Michigan, the only uh, rule uh, about marijuana as far as where it needs to be kept or anything is as far as growing goes, it needs to be in a locked and closed facility. Uh, now, outside of that, we're not allowed to have it on school property or within 500 feet of a school, I think, maybe is the rule. And things, obvious things like that. But as far as cannabis itself, uh, they actually had some legislation that was in effect that said we had to keep it locked in a box in our trunk if we were transporting it. Uh, but that actually got thrown out by the Supreme Court. Uh, we don't have to lock our medication up any more than anybody has to lock up their morphine uh, or whatever prescription medicine they're on. So uh, as far as transporting plants, they can only be transported by the caregiver that's responsible for those plants uh, and so on. So uh, when we transported the plants from A to B, that was 100% legal transport. There's a few things that they're using as an excuse uh, to investigate and, and to pursue this thing. But, you know, this law uh, affords us protection from things like search and seizure and arrest and all the things that we've been through in the last few months. Prior to the raid, did you have any indication the police were looking at your operation? Yes. Uh, like I said, they knocked on the door and tried to get in here with uh, uh, two members of the, the local SWAT team. But what about uh, you know, what about before that, though? Did you have any indication that they were maybe eyeing your operation? Well, other than the fact that I've been through two cases before, and and I'm very well known as as we've kind of stated already through my work with cannabis oil and so on and so forth. So, I guess you know I've always felt I've been on the radar, so to speak, but nothing indicating that we had something coming down immediately. Pete, are there any other? 
caregivers under the same um, facing the same circumstances that you and your wife and Jen are? Absolutely, and it's been going on since 2008 when this law came to effect. My first cases were called test cases. You know, there's no no test about it. It's the real deal. But when you're the first one in a county to acquire these charges and uh, represent the new law, they they refer to it uh, as a test case. Well, when I I beat those two cases, and I beat them both hands down for the same charges, uh, manufacturing, you know, there was a, a certainly a feeling of accomplishment and that they weren't going to come back and do the same thing again. Uh, and, it, it, you know, a lot of the work that I did in the first couple of years as an activist, it was, you know, it was that first case that kind of sprung me into being an activist. So the first couple of years before Cannabis Camp and before all the CD Cure and that, you know, I went to court dates uh, all over the state in different counties, uh, me and a small group of people. And we educated uh, not just the uh, defendants, but the prosecutors, the judges, the lawyers. Uh, we'd go in with uh, copies of the law highlighted. Uh, we'd explain to them uh, the different parts of the law, the what a Section 8 acquittal was, what a Section 8 hearing was. Uh, in other words, if they didn't know how to acquit, they weren't going to. So we'd lay the roadmap out in front of them. And because they don't really like to listen to words too much from people that aren't in their club, uh, we just use things like highlighted information, of, you know, in the law itself. Uh, and they seem to catch on to that pretty, pretty well. What is a Section 8? Section 8 defense, first of all, a section, there's two different ways that this law protects us. Section 4 defense says that we're protected uh, if we're within, our, within the scope of the act, meaning we're not on the school property and things like that, like I discussed before. We're not outside of our limits of the 72 plants and things of this nature. Uh, Section 4 says that when I come in contact with law enforcement and cannabis is involved and I present my medical marijuana card with uh, an ID, a valid state ID, that I am afforded certain protections under this act. In other words, this is the intent of this act is to avoid search, seizure, arrest. Uh, And those are the exact words that are written into the law. Uh, So they're to presume uh, that any marijuana they come in contact with is for medical use. And in the definition of medical use, that includes uh, cultivation, manufacturing, processing, uh, just about anything you can imagine you can do with marijuana. So, uh, in other words, uh, once they see these cards, there's no reason for them to, to presume that there's more than 72 plants behind these closed doors. There is no right of their, uh, for them to come in and inspect and count. Now, if they have a witness that tells them that I have more than 72 plants in a room, then they have information that would lead them to get a warrant to, and, and to believe that they have I have more than 72 plants. But without that information or without uh, evidence, in other words, of there being a crime, uh, they're not supposed to mess with us, you know, is the bottom line. Uh, and that's Section 4 defects. Now, when Section 4 fails us, like it did in this case, uh, as soon as Jen showed them uh, the medical marijuana cards on the boat, they should have left her alone and went on. They didn't need to detain her for hours on end and manipulate her into going back to the house and and so on and so forth. You know, that was uh, those are just police tactics. They're, they do this all the time. So, in other words, there was no presumption of of, of medical use as according to, in accordance with the law. So, uh, you know, so now Section Eight comes in, and Section Eight says. When Section 4 fails, that we cannot, as long as we're within the scope of the act and the intent of the act, 
that we, in these exact words, cannot be committed of any crime involving marijuana. And I'm going to repeat that, any crime involving marijuana. So it's kind of a blanket coverage after the fact. You know, now what we're going to be defending ourselves with is, is what's called the Section 8 defense, uh, or tr- a Section 8 defense, which will come up in, in the form of a Section 8 hearing. Uh, at that time, we've got to prove that uh, we've got valid legal cards, our patients are valid, there's a valid relationship between the doctor that signed the patients and the patients, uh, and there should be a, a straight-up acquittal, just like there has been in the two other cases that I've fought. Uh, so there's really, uh, from the outside looking in, there's 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 no way for them to win this case, and it's a shakedown from Jump Street. Yeah, you know, I think you're a marked man. I think because you beat them twice previously, the cops are out to get you, and they're going to do everything they can to try and find something to charge you with and essentially harass you. Let me give you uh, an interesting parallel story that happened in Vancouver, British Columbia. There was a licensed, valid grower. The cops came in and said he was not growing um, his plants on his own property. They were off his property. And he said, no, they're on my property. And they said, no, you're growing off your property. They came in, cut down all of his plants. He brought a surveyor in. They surveyed the property, and uh, the grower was right. He was growing on his own property. Yet the cops took it upon themselves to eliminate all of his product. And I think once you beat the cops, not once but twice like you have, once you educate the public on the laws with respect to marijuana in Michigan like you have, they're out to get you. And I think you will face um, police harassment until someone just backs off and said, listen, this guy is a valid grower. He's uh, he's not to be charged anymore. What do you think? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, and I'm not alone here. You know, there's uh, a lot of us that have been through this over and over again. Uh, and even worse, uh, you know, more and more new ones every day. Uh, you know, on that island in particular, you know, you're talking about a place that's, uh, oh, I don't know, roughly 50 square miles. If I had to guess off the top of my head with a population of maybe 100 people, uh, less than 100 people in the wintertime, uh, you know, out of those 100 people, there's probably 30 of them that are growing marijuana and have been for 25 years and, you know, illegally, uh, you know, and I'm maybe not the same ones in the same place, but in general, this has been a place where growers have resided, where they're, the law enforcement is nil. Uh, you know, the sheriff's not even there six months of the year. He's gone when the winter time because he can't uh, take the ferry back and forth to the island. Things of this nature, you know, they, uh, a lot of the locals set up stills and, and, you know, they push the limits in a lot of ways, but essentially there was no law enforcement there until they come dropping out of the sky. Uh, you know, if you had too big of an operation going or something like that. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, I guess I kind of got lost in my, in my point here, but, uh, you know, oh, the, the point is, is the only ones that are raiding on that island are the legal ones. You know, we were on the main road, we contacted the sheriff, we said, we're legal growers, this is our location, come on over, check it out, anytime you want, you want to pull in my driveway, you're welcome to come in my grow, count my plants, check, you know, I've been raided twice before, I know this law better than most so on and so forth, an open invite to law enforcement on the island that was denied time and time again uh, because he didn't want to get involved, just like he didn't want to get involved with any of the illegal activities going on that island. 
you know, with that being said, I think that it's it, it you know, it goes beyond and all here's an example. They busted a guy for dealing heroin here in northern Michigan, and rather than take him to jail or arrest him, they made him a snitch to go in and, and buy from uh, a legal medical marijuana dispensary to try to set them up. Uh, so they're giving up heroin charges to go after legal legal uh, caregivers. If if that doesn't say it all, I don't know what it what does. Wow. Yeah, there's a stupid uh, situation in the province of Alberta where the RCMP came in, uh, raided this woman's home, and confiscated. You know how many plants? One, one plant. One plant. And they charged I her. I just read about that. She was an older lady too, wasn't she? Real old. Well, it depends. Yeah. Depends how. Yeah, how, it depends how, what side. It's all, of, it's all yeah. relative. Depends on what side of the compass you're looking at there. <laughs> I thought that the one I read was like in her 80s, like 87. Yeah, that's right. So, how or did that you? How did you? recovery, right? <laughs> that's right. I think the the police people say, well, the police are just doing their job. No, they're not doing their job. Their job is to protect the public. And nobody has ever died from marijuana. No one has ever had any harm come to them as a result of consuming marijuana. So, for Christ's sake, just leave people alone who are law-abiding citizens. What does your lawyer feel about all this? In my lawyer's own words, Mackinac County is about to get an education that they're not going to like. Good. <laughs> you know, it just floors me because, you know, Pete, you and I talk, you know, off and on sort of thing, um, that the cops are getting away with doing this time and time again. I mean, here's the law in black and white that says if you're legal, you're allowed to do this. I mean, I'm well aware that you guys dot every I and cross every T two or three times over. You know, you're definitely within the letter of the law and then some. And yet they're wasting their time going around busting law-abiding citizens it just doesn't make any sense to me it doesn't make any sense to us either we've had more people keep saying to us well you must have done something wrong i'm going to smack the next person that says that to me well how can the cops just do that you must have done something wrong people don't understand that the police go where they want and they do what they want and it's guilty until proven innocent is what it is for us right now Mm mm-hmm you, we, uh, I mean, and, you, you, know, you, you can walk. You can walk out on the highway and any highway in Michigan right now and find people exceeding the speed limit, which is breaking the law, which is far uh, far more dangerous than anything you guys have ever done. Yet, do the- absolutely. So, how are you going to? To uh, I realize that when you, when you have a, hire a lawyer, lawyers can be expensive. How are you funding mm-hmm. all this? Take us through that. Well, Jennifer just set up a go get funding account. Uh, we tried to do GoFundMe and they don't accept, um, legal. yeah, they don't accept legal funds or legal fundraising. So we are on a site called go get funding and we have been sharing it on all of our pages. I know that Corey has shared it for us too on her page. Um, and we've raised a thousand fifty dollars so far. Well, how about if we put that up on our cannabis health radio, uh, website as well and our facebook page that would be great i will make sure that i get you the links for them it is the freedom defense fund on gogetfunding.com and seedtocure.org it is also there too you can find the link 
Okay. Have you talked to other experts outside of the legal community about this and uh, had any of their opinions as to what uh, has transpired in Michigan with respect to your legal issue? I'm thinking of, uh, you know, those people who have uh, a history of dealing with the police in various jurisdictions around uh, the United States. You know, there's organizations out there like the ACLU and things of this nature, but they just don't tend to get involved with the marijuana thing, I don't think, you know, Uh, unless there's, uh, you know, something going on uh, that I'm not aware of. Uh, You know, it'd be nice, you know, for many years now, uh, not just on a legal aspect, but Corey, you can relate to this. Wouldn't you think somebody in the medical community would step up and you know, acknowledge that something's going on here that's that's worth looking at, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, that would be nice. How is it possible that, that people like us can save our own lives with such a such a simple method or, or however you want to word that, go on to help thousands of other people and, and you know, simply for the for a humanitarian-type effort and, and then be persecuted by our local police? I mean, it's it's... You know, maybe you're not being persecuted, but I sure the hell am. You know, I feel like I'm being nailed up on a cross. You know, here I am, a family man. I've been married for 21 years. I'm trying to raise my children. I'm trying to do what's right. Uh, You know, the day that I uh, realized that I could grow marijuana legally, so I thought. And, uh, you know, I was never so excited in my life. I've been wanting to do this since I was a teenager. But because I was married with children, because it was against the law, I knew I couldn't do that. It was a risk I wasn't willing to take. So, you know, to be raided or arrested within 30 days of getting my card the first time and then catch a raid within two months after that here in my home and i'm talking about you know six years ago now or eight years ago whatever seven years ago you know that was a little disheartening so to to survive all that come out acquitted man i was a rock star i couldn't believe it it was all right this shit works you know uh, I didn't. I didn't see this one coming. You know, after all these years, we've moved backwards, and you can you can see that as much as I can, Corey. Yeah. Uh, the movement made some progress. We got a whole lot of places doing some pretty neat shit. But you know, more people are being arrested, and this is what it comes down to: more people are being arrested today than they were when this law came into effect. What's uh, the- and everything piece of this legislation is designed to keep those arrests at a maximum to allow that cash flow to continue going to the Michigan State Police and the government, you know. What's uh, Dr. Uh, Melamede's input on this? You know, (laughs) if there's one person on this planet that's more pissed off about this than than us, it's probably Dr. Bob. Yeah. Uh, And and that's because because just like you, you know, he knows us personally and he knows us well. I I don't even want to try to articulate Dr. Bob's words. You know, that's not a (laughs) word. Christy. <laughs> Different show, Corey. <laughs> Pete, has this prevented you from continue growing? Absolutely not. They raided us uh, on the island. Uh, they took my garden. They took Christy's garden. And the first thing we did the very next day was fire up a garden right here at home again. Uh, that's why when we got raided three weeks after the island, uh, we had a house full of plants. Uh, now here in Roscommon County, uh, where the raids were led by the Coast Guard as well. It was a continuation, in their words, of the raids up in the island. Uh, while we were raided by the same people, we weren't treated the same way. Uh, they did not seize the plants. They did not seize the equipment. All they took were uh, some odds and ends from our house. Now, on the very same day, they raided Jen's house, and they took some different things. 
Uh, you know, they took all of her uh, medibles and everything that looked like it had oil in it. Anything so they thought could possibly have oil in it, they took out of my medicine cabinet, out of my refrigerator, out of my grow room, um, including my 2015 taxes. There's a piece of legislation that went into effect about two months after our raids. Uh, and that legislation was specifically pertaining to concentrates or cannabis oil. Uh, so before that, there had been some Supreme Court rulings that uh, left a lot of uh, opportunity for law enforcement to till, still pursue those things. So when we got raided on the island, they took our still, they took our oil, they took our, you know, all the concentrates, they took the flour and the equipment and everything else, too. But it's because of this specific piece of legislation that I'm talking about that we thought we were being raided anyway. We thought, well, they're trying to hit us because we're out because we're making we're oil makers. It was then that before we turned around twice, that law had passed, and not only did it pass and allowed oil and, and put us very far within our limits, uh, uh, it was retroactive. So now I've got to wonder if this wasn't a snatch and grab before that legislation took effect. You know, I just want to be clear with people who are listening, and I know uh, Ian alluded to it in your introduction. Um, Jen and uh, Christy and Pete aren't just growing for their own medical issues. They're key. They're very key players in people who help people. So basically, you guys are helping cancer patients and uh, seizure patients and patients with PTSD, etc. And uh, they've really, really given a lot and put in a lot of energy to help people over the years. So if anybody can help them and their cause, um, I'm thanking them um, or thanking you guys on their behalf. Thank appreciate you, that, Corey. <clears throat> I, I want to ask you, what happened to the patients that you were providing for when all this went down? Well, they were without for a while yeah. because it takes a while to get your garden back going again. And they took every bit of medicine that we had ready and all the plants that we had growing. So our patients were without for a while, a few months. We didn't have flour for anybody. We didn't have flour to make oil for anybody. We were, we were out of medicine and that was not just me, Pete and Jen. That was 18 people because each one of us is allowed five patients. So that's six of us times three is 18 people that were without medicine. And many, I assume in um, life and death situations. Well, you know, we, we've got, we deal with patients that are dealing with things like brain cancer and, uh, yeah. you know, everything from brain cancer to diabetes. So, I, you know, I think, every, you know, life is life-threatening. Um, <laughs> life is life-threatening, yeah. But, yeah, we've got, we've got serious patients and real patients that we deal with, you know. Um, and with that being said, you know, uh, we weren't able to provide, but because we're so well-known and because uh, we're well-known for being generous and helping so many other people out, there were certainly some some individuals that stepped up to the plate to help a lot of these these patients mm-hmm. out while we weren't able to provide. And while I can't uh, mention names for obvious reasons, I can certainly send a shout out and a thank you to uh, uh, all the support that we have had. You know, uh, if it wasn't for the people that are behind us, uh, this would be a lot more painful. Do you know what? Uh, you three are helping people. You're saving lives. If you were bankers and involved in the housing crisis of 2008, you wouldn't have been charged at all. 
you no. you would uh, you'd be millionaires. You would scam people, and you would be be free to roam the country in opulence. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy system. It's not only in the United States. It's in Canada. It's in the UK. It's all around the world, and it's based on bloody ignorance. That's all it is. Well, from the very beginning, we just. Uh I set out for the, you know, to find the truth about cannabis oil. I, I, right away, I found out that there were a lot of players in the game, so to speak, uh, a lot of middlemen and a lot of uh, a lot of con artists. You know, there was a lot of horrible things going on and a lot of uh, sick people being treated poorly. So from the beginning, I tried to represent the simple truth about cannabis oil, the good and the bad. Uh, you know, it doesn't work for everybody and, and so on and this kind of thing. Uh, but at the same time, we were certainly happy to share the successes that we uh, were seeing as well. You know, it's disheartening to feel like people want to put us in a cage for this. You know, there's never been such an honest or sincere effort on my part in my life uh, to do something just simply good for humanity. Uh, you know, not because uh, uh, I owed anybody anything, but because I felt I owed this plant and the universe something. You know, it saved my life. Uh, when I was diagnosed with liver cancer and diabetes and congestive heart failure and hepatitis C all on the same day, I don't like to revisit the emotions that I went through for the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months. And, you know, having to come home and tell my family that I had less than five years to live and uh, things of this nature. And then to find out that this simple plant and this simple medicine can do all that it can do and to watch it not only cure myself, but thousands of others is, you know, it's a, uh, it's a roller coaster ride, you know. I mean, I've had some of the best highs in the world, the best good, the, the, witnessed some of the most wonderful things a person could witness, in my opinion, you know, as far as medicine goes and and things of this nature. And then we go through things like this that are the absolute pits of hell, uh, you know. Uh, watching my children uh, writhe in fear every time a cop rolls by this fucking house, or pardon my language, or uh, you know, there's a there's a permanent effect on you uh, that. You know, you can't shake. And while we can, uh, you know, be tough and we can be strong and we'll stand up for our rights and we'll fight to the death over this shit, uh, you know, there's no doubt that we've been shaken to the core. And, 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 you know, I don't know how to express the absolute disgusting behavior on behalf of our, our, our police, our, our judges, our prosecutors. You know, it's an absolute uh, circus to see what's going on inside these courtrooms, the lies, the, the way that these cops are willing to just straight up lie, cheat, and steal, uh, you know, to, to convict people that are doing nothing nothing wrong to begin with. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here. But, uh, no, I think it was, uh, it was an excellent rant. <laughs> and uh, give us one last plug as we wrap up the program. Give us a plug for your uh, funding proposals. GoGetFunding.com is the name of the site and it's the freedom defense fund you can also find the link for it on seed to cure.org that's seed the number two cure.org and you're looking for the go get funding link and help us with our legal fees we would really appreciate it well thanks uh, the three of you very much peter o'toole Christy O'Toole and uh, Jen Cook, and we wish you all the best, and we know you're going to beat this for the third time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Ani, and we appreciate it. Thank you, Corey. Good luck, you guys, and uh, nice talking to you, and um, looking forward to uh, hearing that this is all over. We do, too. Thanks, guys. We love you, man. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. 
Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did. 